Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. But I'm actually going with Jamar Smith. Oh, I yeah. think I think okay. he has the most to prove because he's been hyped up to be the next great Louisiana Tech quarterback. And let's face it, Tech fans have been spoiled the past few years with really great quarterback play. But I think a lot of Tech fans were disappointed with Jamar's 56% completion rate last year. And he threw for less than 3,000 passing yards. And Tech threw for more than 4,000 yards the previous two seasons. So I think fans are going to be a little more impatient with with Jamar. And, you know, we we heard it so much, him being hyped up to be the rock star. And he was young. He was a sophomore. But now he's a junior. And I think now is the time to produce. And we all see the talent. We know he has the talent. So I think now the pressure's on to produce. So I think he's facing more pressure than anyone this spring. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, questions to be answered at at Tech uh, as far as running back. I think Jamar Smith, that playing that – that year, Tech should have had a better record than they did. They lost some really tough ball games to Southern Miss and South Carolina, obviously. Um, but again, you did have, you know, I don't think you can overemphasize the, the loss of uh, Scott and Kraft there at running back. Um, no, the running back position, choosing Dancy, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good pick because that is the biggest question mark on offense is who's going to carry the load who's going to who are you going to give it to well you've got these unbelievable you know Teddy Veal's out this spring but you've got some unbelievable wide receivers coming back Tech is as deep as any school in the country when it comes to wide receivers so I'm not worried about you know who they can play pitch and catch with I'm worried about what they can do as far as running the ball to to keep teams off balance yeah absolutely absolutely All right, Puff. We only got two downs in there, but that's fine. Hey, that's uh, that we you know we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> that's right. It's never never a shame to talk about football here in, in North Louisiana. Uh, we got third and fourth down coming up. Uh, we'll get to those after this quick break. Good morning, North Louisiana. I am Jake Martin, joined by Jamie Fox, Mister Versatile, Mister. I'm on the radio all day long. <laughs> Oh gosh, God help everybody! Uh, <laughs> I, by the way, I like your good morning. I mean, no, no offense to Aaron Dietrich, it's but not, it's a, it's, it doesn't pierce your ears. No, it's I mean, nice you, if you're driving on the road, it's nice, nice and pleasant. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm Jake Martin. Have a cup of coffee on know, me. I don't know if I should take that as a no, compliment that is a compl- or an insult. That, absolutely a compliment, Jake. I promise you. But anyway, actually, Aaron does a pretty good job with that as well. So. Uh, he does wake you up. I'll say that. He does. He does. He wake wakes you up. up my dog even, by oh. the way, when he does that. Because my dog listens to uh, Sports Talk 977. So Awesome. So he, he gets to hear everybody. Well, that's good. Um, we started four downs last segment. We only made it two downs because we got into a, a pretty good conversation there. want to finish up with two more spring training questions. And, uh, Tabes, if you can hit that music for us one more time. We'll start with third down. Who makes the biggest jump in 2018? 
ULM or Louisiana Tech? That's a tough question if you think about it. I like what ULM is building, but I think I'm going with Tech. We have to see physical progress from that ULM defense before we send them bowling. And they went 4-8 and eight last year. I think 6-6 six and six is, is really Doable. attainable. Yeah, yes, I do too. I, I really think it is. But in Tech's case, you look at Louisiana Tech. They just barely made a bowl game last year because they lost four games by one possession with a young roster. I want to repeat that, with a young roster. They returned their quarterback. They returned a lot of school players. They returned some superstars on that defense. For that reason, I expect Tech to make a humongous jump in 2018. I'm going to go with Tech. But, again, I do like what ULM's building offensively. I just got to see it on the defensive side first before I – I put all my chips in on, on ULM. Yeah, you, know, you and I talked uh, in the break there, Jake, about what's going to be the uh, – we looked at the non-conference slates yeah. for both of these schools. Uh, Tech has two Southeastern Conference schools in LSU and Mississippi State. They have to play this year in 2018 along with Southern and South Alabama. Uh, ULM's uh, schedule is equally tough, but not quite as tough as last year. Uh, they've got Texas A&M and Ole Miss out of the SEC as well as Southeastern, who they open the season with and Southern Miss and Hattiesburg. So I'm with you. I think if your ULM 6-6 six and six is a, is worried, I think Tech makes a slightly bigger jump simply because they don't lose as much on that offense. They, I think they lose one offensive lineman. They do lose Kraft and Boston Scott. Um, but having Jamar Smith back is going to make a difference. And simply because I think they're going to be a little bit better on defense. Uh, they bring in three JUCO linebackers that I think are going to make a difference. Uh, I like that back end, too, with Amik Robinson back Oof. there. So I don't think Tech is, is going to be, you know, I don't think they go 9-3, and three, but uh, certainly 8-4 and four is a possibility, uh, maybe 9-3. and three. Uh, But, again, I think you're going to see some improvement, uh, quite frankly, out of both of these teams next year. You know, we, we talked about uh, the best names in Northeast Louisiana sports history the other day, and – Amik Robertson, I think, is going to age well in that conversation. Just because Amik is such a cool name to me. I don't know why I like it so much, but uh, especially if he continues to improve as a player. I mean, he had a fantastic freshman year last year. But, yeah, yeah I think I think that's one of my you favorite think, uh, names. You think LSU is kicking themselves for not uh, getting him? Yes. Uh, yes. Again. Especially this year. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's and go there. Let's go there. Fourth down, who takes a bigger step backwards in 2018, Grambling or LSU? That and simple, uh, LSU. Really? Mm-hmm. Huge. Grambling is going to hurt, obviously losing Kincaid and Martez Carter. But I think simply because, uh, you know, they'll find somebody. I know if you know Grambling, they're going to find some players coming in over the summer, some graduate transfers. Uh-huh. They're going to make a huge difference, just like they did with Kincaid and the kids from Texas and so forth. So, no, I think Grambling is. Now, Grambling probably will take a slight step back and maybe lose a conference game or two. Uh, I think, Listen, they, I, but but I don't think uh, I don't think they've got the questions. Even losing Kincaid and uh, Carter, that LSU's got. Well, here's the deal: you don't have to sell me on Roger Fobbs and what he's built over there at Grambling. Right. I am bought in. Like he has proven himself. They they do it year in year out. But I, I think we can't be naive either to look at that team and look at the losses of Kincaid and Carter, like you said, and expect them to just be. As good as they were. They're not going to be. You, you don't replace those two guys in the backfield and just 
go on without any hesitation, right? You, you, you're going to miss a few beats. And so I think for that reason, I think they're going to lose a couple more games. I look at LSU, and, you know, you started out with Miami, and I think Miami's going to answer this question at the very beginning. If LSU beats Miami, I think they can go 8-4 and four or 9-3 this year. And they went 9-3 and three last year. So they could – And 9-4 with four, the loss of Notre Dame, yeah. Right. And therefore uh, – yeah, I was talking regular season, but, but true. Therefore, I think there's, there's not hardly any drop-off. So for that reason, I, I, I'm picking them to beat Miami, which really is against my better judgment simply because Miami proved last year that they are turnover hounds, right? The turnover chain became popular because of them. They forced turnovers, and that's how they won ball games. And you get that team matched up with an LSU team that's going to start Miles Brennan, I'm assuming, or Loyal Narcisse. It's a tough task to, to start – you know, start your LSU career as a, as a full-time starter. So, for that reason, I, it's, it's you know, I, I'm hesitant to say LSU wins that game, but I still just like LSU in those big-time games that are actual neutral site games. I'm not really counting the Wisconsin game at Lambeau Field because, let's face it, that was a home game for Wisconsin. But uh, a, a true neutral site game, LSU usually plays well in those. So, I think LSU wins that one and goes eight and four therefore they wouldn't have too much of a drop off i'd be elated if lsu went eight and four and i think if you're an lsu fan you need to be elated because stop and think right now uh you're not there's only a few teams like ohio state and alabama that can replace early defections like what a ronnie harrison you know a fitzpatrick lsu's got some great players they don't have now they granted they've got a lot in the pros, and that's the problem. You're not going to have William Clapp at center. You're not going to have Toby Weathersby. You're not going to have Kevin Tolliver. That's when what I usually count, Jake, when you lose an underclassman. Uh, I say you lose two underclassmen like that. Uh, you can you can at least chalk up one loss there. And I don't think LSU replaces Tolliver. It's it's not it's you know Sertain that was a huge loss, but he was never on scholarship. And uh, but you had Dante Jackson and Tolliver. Uh, it's it's huge, and I, I don't think LSU can overcome that no matter who's playing quarterback. That's where the season was lost to me, or will be very tough to win. I hope LSU goes 8-4. and four. Uh, I do think they could beat Miami, but I also think they could lose to Ole Miss. Ooh. So, I mean, again, because there's so many question marks. All these guys had even – if you even excuse Dice and Key from the conversation – I don't think those four guys that didn't come back, that's the difference in LSU season. So you got to have Nick Prosset to start. You bring up a good point when you bring up the defensive backfield. I'm not as concerned about the offensive line as you are. Yes, well, losing Will Clapp's a big deal. I get that. But I think they did such a great job in the signing class. And what we keep hearing about Damian Lewis so far in spring training is – you know, Ed Orgeron said this week, he said, listen, if he keeps progressing, we have to find a way to get him on the field, and he's not projected as a starter. So, therefore, he would replace uh, Lloyd Cushenberry at center, likely. So, hearing that gives me hope this offensive line is going to be as good as advertised. Now, the defensive backfield is a different story, and I think you're right in pointing that out, pointing out losing Tolliver, because, listen, Christian Fulton, we still don't know if he's eligible. We still don't know if he's going to be able to play this year. And so, if you don't have him either – 
Man, you got Greedy Williams and you got fill in the blank. You, you got, got Dontre Kirkland. You got a few other guys, but for the most part, your your cornerback depth is is really hurting. Yeah, you maybe got Eric Monroe in the picture, Grant Delpert, but you don't have. Uh, you're probably going to have to bring in. Hopefully, Terrence Alexander comes in as a graduate transfer from Stanford. You'll uh, out of uh, John Curtis, I believe. You you know, hopefully that comes to fruition because you're right. It's very much doubtful that Fulton will be back, and that's a huge loss. Um, he's fighting it though. He, he's, he's fighting it, and I hope he wins. He deserves to. Uh, and also, you've got some some real questions. You know, you mentioned that offensive line, which I totally agree with you on. But the, what's the difference? What if those guys? What if LSU can't replace? If those guys go down, it's the difference is always between Alabama and LSU. It's not the first twenty-two. It's what happens. It's depth, and that's where Alabama. Which, by the way, unfortunately, most of that depth comes from you know really good from Louisiana, but we won't go into that because I'll start drinking again. <laughs> but that's how Alabama does it. It's depth. Yeah, and LSU is good, but I don't think LSU, from a depth perspective, particularly this year, particularly in the defensive backfield, they'll be strong in the offensive line as long as they stay healthy. So, so we're close to to the, our next break, but I want to hearken it back to Grambling real quick. If you had to handicap it today, mm-hmm. how many wins does Grambling get this year? Nine. Nine. How many wins does LSU get? Seven. So you've got it pretty even. Pretty even on the drop-off. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's a compelling question. Uh, just because Grambling, you know, uh, I already said it, the fact that we know what Pops has built there. But listen, replacing Devontae Kincaid and Martez Carter is going to be difficult. It'll be huge. It's going to be fun to keep keep track of. All right, there's our football. Uh, we went 30 minutes on football, Puff. I, don't, I hope people enjoyed that. Hey, we, got, we got another 45, so we can, <laughs> we can keep talking. You want us to keep talking football? I think we need to revisit March Madness just because this is one of the best times of the year. So we'll get back to some March Madness talk. Uh, join us, Texas at 888-993-7762. We've got some texts here we'll read when we come back from the break after this. Quint weighs in on the Stuart Shelby text line. says, ULM. In reference to who will have the bigger jump in 2019, says ULM because they have the most room to improve. Tech is at the level where improvement just means bigger bowls. I look at it, uh, I guess, as far as record goes. So I think Tech is going to hover around that 9 or 10 win season. ULM has a chance to get around that 6 win season. So for that reason, I say Tech will improve more. Um but that's just kind of how I view the question. Yeah, I don't think you can underestimate having Jamar Smith back, particularly after the season, you know, the learning experiences he went through at South Carolina and, and so forth. I think, of course, you got to keep him upright, right? But that's the good news about Tech is they're returning four out of five stars, I think, on that offensive line. So that'll help. Uh, and I think the schedule, you know, uh, will, will favor them, except, you know, obviously against Mississippi State and LSU. But you watch. I mean, the Tech can, Tech's proven in the past. They can they can knock off, you know, some teams. So we'll hey, see. That LSU game is going to be interesting. Very. That's interesting. actually on my birthday this year. So yeah, that's. I, uh, I think Tech's going to hang very well with LSU. I can't wait for that. Uh, Larry Munro says the Packers need to beef up the offensive line in the draft to protect Aaron Rodgers. Plus, get a running back to offset Rodgers. Having to do too much with Don Capers gone. The defense needs a lot of work. Maybe the Honey Badger would be a good fit in Green Bay. Yeah, I know Green Bay's making a, a bid for him as well. So I mean, I don't I don't know how many teams have reached out to the Honey Badger yet, but 
Uh, and as far as we're concerned, we hope he just uh, his heart lies with one. But we'll see. He's going to uh, he'll be a pretty wealthy young man here real soon. I think so, man. There's a lot of a lot of talk going around with with bringing in the honey badger. All right, let's get back to some March Madness. We need to preview the games today, Puff. I look at the schedule. You know, it starts off with Providence and A&M. First of all, what upsets do you see happening today? Uh, my South Dakota State upset did not happen yesterday. The Loyola Chicago upset did happen. but uh, So I guess I went one and one of my upset picks. Do you have any upsets you're calling for today? Well, I like New Mexico State. And I think a lot of people do uh, as the 12 seed against the number five seed. I think Clemson has a big injury uh, coming in. They're 23 and nine. New Mexico State at, at 28 and five. They're the 12 seed. Uh, a real interesting matchup: uh, eight and nine between Missouri uh, yes. and Florida State. Yes, yes, yes. At number nine. Um, that's I could the see game. Different. That's the game that. I guess, yeah, I think I would say that's the game that interests me the most today simply because Florida State has beaten a who's who this year. They have a lot of good wins on their resume, but they've been up and down. And you look at Missouri, and they have potentially one of the best players in the whole tournament and Michael Porter Jr., but how healthy is he? Is he going to be able to gel with his teammates and be able to be effective after coming back you know, a week ago in the SEC tournament? So there are a lot of questions surrounding that that intrigue me about that matchup. I think regardless, I think they're, you know, whoever wins that game is going to take out Xavier. I, I'm, I'm calling that. I've called that from day one. I, I just don't believe in Xavier. And I think both of those teams are capable of knocking out Xavier. Who we got on the uh, Stuart Shelby State Farm call line? We have Mike from Monroe. Mike from Monroe, how you doing, Mike? Hey, Mike. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing this morning? Doing great. How you doing? All right. I don't want to get off the March Madness uh, uh, 15 minutes of fame time frame, but with March Madness, because, <laughs> you know, it's just it's sad. The season don't have where well, you can just watch the whole season. But I had wanted to ask y'all a question. It's just something just kind of brainstorming with Drew Brees and his contract. And uh, and it's, this, this is just a rough draft-type variable thing. And it just kind of hit me. It, to me, it would be a win-win if you could crush the numbers. This is what I want to ask you guys. A lifetime contract, just like Bobby Bowden has for Florida State. And, and I'm talking about players like a Michael Strahan or Joe Thomas or, or you know, those type of guys. It's got to be it's a golden egg type of contract, a tag, just like you would franchise tag. Somebody. A player could get a lifetime tag. But, but here's the things that will go with a lifetime tag. You wouldn't get $25 million on the front end. You'd get like a base. And it's just for different players, too, uh, Ray Lewis. And I'm just throwing out these names for the t- particular type of player that would be eligible for it. Uh, Ray Lewis type of guy. Like I said, Joe Thomas, those type of guys, right? Uh, Eli Manning, that would get offered a, a lifetime contract. And a lifetime contract, let's say, for instance, um, Drew Brees wouldn't get $25 million. He would get a base salary anywhere between 8 and $12 million. But on the back end, once he retires, instead of you having him for two years, you basically squeeze four years out of it. Once he retires, he has a certain percentage of ownership of the team, like a certain – well, I'm not – you know, the owners are greedy. They wouldn't want to do that at all. But when you look at what a game is at right now, with all the confusion, you have a Drew Brees that does not leave New Orleans. And, you know, God bless the Benson family also. But uh, a, a player of that caliber, and I'm just throwing it out there, man, you know, I remember when Bobby Bowden had his lifetime 
quarterback and he could stay as long as he wants. And I would do Drew Brees the same way. I would. He, it would be a golden egg contract. Out of 32 teams, you have probably have seven players in the NFL that had this contract on, on that particular team. Lifetime contract, so that $25 million, you wouldn't be paying him that. You can put that money on somebody else. He's going to get all his stuff at the back end. Let's say he retires. He retires and he goes somewhere else like Brett Favre did. That contract will void out. He couldn't get. He wouldn't have ownership. He would go somewhere else. But it would. It would be a mutual agreement thing. It wouldn't be a thing where we're just gonna tag you with this. This particular player, y'all would get together and talk, crush the numbers, and number one, the team would win because at the time, because you you don't have to pay that pay, pay that player. He can bring in another quarterback. He can groom that person. Once the Jerry Rice retire, you know he he don't have to go to a Raiders. He can stay, and I'm just jumping all over with these different players. He can stay in San Francisco. He can continue to groom Terrell Owens, and he can continue to have his Hall of Fame years. He may have four or five years left, but at the end, he's still part of that franchise, and he will get, you know, ownership. And he, and me, it's a win-win. You, you, you fall owner, so you're not, you're not going to do anything against the team because you're making money or whatever. Well, well, I mean, what y'all? It's just a, a rough draft. What y'all think about that? That's where you lose me, as you say. They they get ownership. They get a piece of the pie, so to speak. And I never really see that happening. Well, maybe in Drew Brees. Yeah, and that's yeah, case, that's the but... that's the that's the kicker. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have ownership until you retire to it. Over, you don't have any ownership. But that's part of the back end of that contract. That tag of being a lifetime player. You see and, what I'm saying? What... Like once you it's over, you 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 have a, a certain ownership of the team. The money and, and that you were the, going to get, you know, you see what I'm kind okay. of saying? Yeah, but what would the guaranteed money be? You know, I think that's where you, you would lose people too. Is you know, the guaranteed deal, money wouldn't be as much as you would get, like like for instance, Drew Brees. You're getting eight million. You're not getting twenty five million. So you can do what you want to with that other money that he would have got. I mean, I just threw him out for example because he had two fifty million for two years. He would get sixteen. He would get 16 knowing he got this back end of having part ownership and money. Let's say he don't want to be a part. He can he can sell it or whatever. That's why I'm saying it's just numbers I'm just throwing out there. I'm looking at it's more than the, the numbers as you, you got a great player like a Drew Brees or a Jerry Rice that can continue to bring popularity to the game, that continue to bring revenue to the game, and you're not spending. You can spend more on the defensive back. You can spend more on bringing in that rookie quarterback to New Orleans and grooming him for the next two or three years, like Aaron Rodgers, and bringing him into uh, Green Bay and grooming him. And then once Brett Favre retire, leave, he's ready. I, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of something I kind of just thought of when when that contract came up with Drew Brees. Well, there's a lot to to digest there, Mike. I think the think keep in mind though, even with this two year contract that uh, that Drew Brees signed. The second year is uh, is a club option. Uh, in other words, it's a, a mutual understanding. If if something happens where uh, Drew Brees, it's a you know, it's a two year, uh, twenty uh, fifty million. So that's twenty five in the first year. And I, I appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, I think he's trying to you know make the numbers work. Um, Drew Brees has a lot of interest outside of football, as far as in restaurants and businesses and so forth. So I don't know if if, if although I think in, in maybe in the uh, Rare exception that maybe Drew Brees uh, uh, would maybe want some type of ownership down the road. But I don't think most of these guys like their money up front because you don't know 
the, the NFL career is so short. Mm-hmm. It, and one injury, you're one injury away from never, never collecting a paycheck again. So that's why I think these guys like their money up front. Uh, Mike's talking yeah. about the deferment of money, which I think is a good idea too, Mike. But I don't think they're going to go, uh, and Kirk Cousins is proof of that, they're not going to go for – uh, you know, obviously, I think most of these quarterbacks that are signing are usually most of them are getting at least twenty million dollars a year, a year, which I agree that that totally to your point that totally skews everybody as far as who you can bring in in free agency because of the cap hit. So, I think you have to try to, you know, I, I think back ending those uh, backloading those contracts is ideal, like you said. But uh, I don't think most of these owners are going to relinquish any type because some of these things are obviously passed down to family members, too, such as in the Benson case. So usually there's a pretty long line for ownership in these things. And uh, I don't think unless Drew Brees would, you know, they may decide to bring him in as a, you know, a a certain percentage, but it would probably be around the 10 to 15 percent. And I don't think he would forego. He's got five kids he's got to feed. So I think he wants his money up front. Uh, I think next (laughs) Yeah, I think he's. I think it's going to be a situation where, uh, with that club option, uh, it's a two-year deal. He'll be forty-one. You have to factor in his age as well, and Drew Brees knows that as well. Mm-hmm. So they can technically, he can technically play just one more year, make twenty-five million, and whether injury occurs or whatever, uh, he's done. And so, but yeah. I think you know, don't worry, he'll be fine. They'll have you know, if if they want to fit him in somewhere in the organization. You're exactly right. He'll have a job, but I don't think they'll make that part of the contract talks. Yeah. What, what yeah, and, and it's just something that I, it's just something I kind of brainstormed when he when he had got this money. And like I said, it's, it's bigger than the numbers because the numbers don't. And I would think would be there at the end. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about, like you said, more money for the for other players, you can go out and get. You you got like I'm just throwing names out. You know, this is you know. If, if I was gonna do it for Drew Brees, I would have did it five years ago, or two, probably two or three years ago. If I had this this philosophy of a lifetime contract for a player, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And what would be the incentives to 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 be a win win for everybody? You look at the state of the game, where the game is now, the popularity of the game, and 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 players and the longevity of quarterbacks, because that's really the players that are making all the money. They have with the rules, and you can't touch them anymore. There's a chance for them to be around a little bit more. So you know, if they're around a little bit more, that puts pressure on teams to pay them that big amount of money. You see what I'm saying? And you really can't go out and get these guys. So it's kind of like, yeah, you can all this money and everything, but I can't go out and go get these other guys because I'm, at, I'm Tom Brady. How much can I pay? Or, 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 or uh, like sure. I said, Rogers is coming up. His time, those the guy from Atlanta, the guy from Baltimore, he got paid a lot of money. But it's going to be a time where do I keep him or do I draft someone else? And I just use quarterbacks as I let a high, highlighted player. I do out like a Michael Strahan type guy. Guys that are really like four or five years away from retiring, and you can kind of put, boom, a lifetime tag at the end of the day. And like I said, the ownership part is, is a whole different story. And, you know, greed is part of that, too. Nobody don't want to give up nothing. They said family, but it's greed. <laughs> Yeah, I think you just answered. I think you just answered your own question with. Yeah, you just answered your own question with with the greed comment. Yeah, uh, Mike, oh yeah, of course, of course, man. It's, but it's, Mike, it's a no-brainer. Mike, we appreciate the call. You got some interesting thoughts there for us to chew on. We're yeah, up against the break, yeah, I have a nice weekend, man. You too, Mike. Appreciate you calling. 
We're up against the break. When we come back, we'll get back into March Madness. But that was an interesting. Uh, yeah, I think you know if you if it's, he's just trying to find a way to open up some cap <laughs> money. To, you, at exactly. the end of the day, he's, he's trying to he's trying to get Tyron Matthew to New Orleans, exactly. and I can understand and, that. And Richie says Saints can only put up with Drew's big cap hit for so long. Uh, his hit next year is thirty three million unless yeah. he restructures or extends again. So, yeah. yeah, I think Saints fans are just trying to find a way to to clear up a little bit more cap. We don't have the answer for that, but we do have the answers for some March Madness predictions coming up later today. We'll get to those after the break. Uh, welcome back to the Morning Drive. Had a fun show this morning with you, Puff. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We've got uh, so much uh, March Madness to continue. Maybe uh, maybe we can work this out again. We'll send uh, Aaron Dietrich maybe down to Mexico <laughs> for a week or so. Yeah, you know he's uh, he's prone you, to do that. Yeah, yes. you don't have to convince him uh, too hard to do that. Maybe they'll keep him for a couple of weeks. Maybe so. Uh, Hogan says, "Hey Jake, good show this morning. Do my Hogs have a chance against Butler? Of course. I think this is another really good matchup today. If you haven't seen Daniel Gafford play basketball, he is tremendous. They yeah. they are really talented. Arkansas is. They had a great year. For some reason, it was it was strange. Uh, LSU matched up well against Arkansas and actually swept them this year." But uh, in those in those games that I would watch extensively because I had to I had to write about LSU basketball, I, I would watch Arkansas and be like, man, this just isn't the same team that I would see on other Saturdays, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it didn't seem like for some reason LSU just gave them fits. But for the most part, for that reason, Hogan, I've been I don't know if I have like a just a sour taste in my mind about Arkansas because when I think of Arkansas, I do think of those games first. But I do understand how good a player Gafford is, and I think he can carry them to a win today. But Butler's tough, man. You, you know what Butler can do in March Madness. Yeah, that one tips off a little bit after uh, 2.10 p.m. Central Daylight Central Time. Uh, Butler comes in at a 10 seed at 20 and 13. I love Arkansas in this matchup uh, at a 7 seed. 20, you know, maybe they had a little trouble with LSU, but they won 23 games in the regular season. So Arkansas comes in at 23-11. I see the Hogs winning big in this one. You see them winning big. Yeah, I do. I think, uh, you know, Gafford, I think they're. this is a team that uh, has grown up. And uh, I think athletically, Butler can't match up very well with Arkansas. That's going to be the issue. Yeah. And I think they uh, have the athlete advantage. Uh, Arkansas does. But And by the way, I'm a big Butler fan, by the way. I loved those runs with Gordon Haywood and yes. all that crowd. But uh, this, this time, I think Arkansas has got a little bit uh, Hey, listen, much. and Hogan, it, it, you know, if you look at the success that the SEC has had so far, you know, it's got me feeling better about the rest of the SEC teams in this tournament. In fact, I picked Florida State to beat Missouri. I'm starting to kind of worry about that pick just because of the success early on by the SEC. Well, if yesterday was, uh, you know, any indication, uh, you know, I, I love this uh, Providence uh, speaking, staying in the SEC, the Providence-Texas A&M matchup. Uh, to open to uh, at after uh, right, uh, they open the the uh, session at 11:15 today. Providence comes in at a 10 seed at 21 and 13, and uh, Billy Kennedy's A&M bunch comes in at 20 and 12. So, but again, battle tested in the SEC at a seven seed. So uh, that's uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup as well. Who, who do you like in that one? So I took Providence. Uh-huh. A&M if they if they play. To their strength, I think A&M can win this game. If they go down to the post, if they slow it down, I like A&M. Mm-hmm. 
but I, for some reason, I just think I think Providence is going to win that one. Just got a feeling. Sometimes you just have a gut feeling on some of these games because sometimes they're so tight yeah. that you're just like, all right, who do who do I just for some reason see myself picking? Something I, that I find interesting today is um, the fact that, and you kind of made reference to it earlier with New Mexico State playing Clemson. I, I think we both have New Mexico State winning that game. Auburn versus Charleston has got my attention. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Charleston, but Auburn is starting to cool down a little bit, and it's because, you know, they lost Macklemore, which is, was a big part of that team. Without Macklemore and coming off the heels of a you know, upset loss to Alabama, a game in the SEC tournament where, man, I don't think they hit a field goal for like 10 straight minutes. It was hard to watch. Like, it was ugly basketball. Coming off of that performance, it's got me going, you know what? Maybe Charleston upsets Auburn in the first round here. Uh, either way, I have Auburn leaving pretty early, even if they get by, by Charleston today. I think they lose in the next round to New Mexico State. But um, I, just keep your eyes on Auburn. If, if you're a fan of upsets, I, I think Auburn is, is searching for answers right now without Macklemore. Yeah, it's kind of a shame uh, because I think Auburn, when they were good, they were very good. Uh, I think they come in at the, at, at the four seed here at 25-7. and seven. Charleston is the 13 seed at 26-7. and seven. Obviously, Auburn, you know, battle-tested uh, throughout the season. Uh, when Auburn's good, they're very good. When they're not, uh, at McLemore made a big difference. Uh, they've had – it's been a very trying season at Auburn. And you don't – well, you say, well, you went 25-7. and seven. How can that be a tough – well, they just had so many questions regarding, you know, the NCAA and all that. And I think they've had – this team has fought through a lot of distractions. And, uh, you know, I think they've got one more win in them today against Charleston. But uh, I'm like you. I don't see a deep run for the Tigers in the tournament. Yeah, and another – matchup I'm looking at is Georgia State Cincinnati. Now, a lot of people see this as, you know, Cincinnati's a team that is one of the tr trendy picks to go pretty far. Some some even have them going to the Final Four. And they're a very good team. But there's something about Georgia State where you look at them and you just think back to what happened a couple of years ago and you, and you think about, I think about the comments made uh, just a couple of days ago about um, Staying at the Marriott yeah, versus yeah, Comfort Inn. Yeah, yeah. staying at the Comfort Inn. They're eating uh, Ruth Chris. We're eating Wendy's. Um, do you think Georgia State has what it takes to knock off Cincinnati today? Uh, first part of the week, I thought yes. Now I'm thinking Cincinnati's going to skull drug them. Okay. Uh, they're coming in at number two at 30 and four. I, I like, <clears throat> like you know, obviously, you know, Ron Hunter's done a great job there. Not, not the most popular guy in the world, but – uh, he can also uh, – he got a kid out of Simons, out of uh, out of Atlanta that had committed to Mississippi State, had some family issues, ended up staying home and playing at Georgia State, and that was good news for them. Uh, this is a program I think is going to have a new gym here pretty soon. Ron Hunter's got uh, – he always manages to get a transfer to it. You remember the kid Ware from oh, Louisville yeah. that uh, transferred there. I, I could see Georgia State keeping this close early. Uh, got a lot of swagger on that team, but uh, – a two seed, Cincinnati? No, nah, I'm going to nah, go with the Bearcats. I went Cincinnati, one. too. They just yeah. play too well on defense. But yeah. I'd be lying if I said I didn't like Ron Hunter. Actually, I'd love to see George State win a couple of games. but uh, Aaron, I, Aaron's not a fan of Ron Hunter. Me and him disagree on, on uh, Hunter, whether he's a good coach and whether he's uh, 
Whether he play, whether he's dramatic or not, he might be a little bit on the dramatic side. But yeah, no I question about him. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still enjoy him. Uh, I, I think that's pretty much. I mean, Wichita State Marshall's kind of interesting. Um, you know, Marshall got hot in that Conference USA I, tournament, but I still don't think they're the best Conference USA team. You know, I think we all agree that Middle Tennessee State is. So, I mean, you know, would have liked to have seen them in a matchup against uh, Wichita State. Um, but I'm not buying Wichita State this year. I'm, I'm not, not saying – I think they probably do beat Marshall today, 4-13. Uh, and 13, But I just don't think this is the Wichita State team of the past. I think they're kind of overseeded at four. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I like a lot that Greg Marshall's done there with that program. But uh, I'd be shocked to see if Wichita State goes deep uh, this year. But I do think they get past Marshall today. Yeah, and keep an eye on Virginia. I, I know they're playing the number 16 seed, and that we all know how those go. I mean, history tells us that a number 16 seed will not beat a number one seed. But that said, I still want to see how they do without their six man. You know, losing huh? – yeah, losing him for, you know, right before tournament play scared me from taking them in that portion of the bracket. Now I wish I would have because Arizona lost last night. But uh, I just want to see how they, they regroup without him. And I give Tony Bennett a lot of credit. I think he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. I think he's going to be uh, the next superstar coach in the NBA. I think he's that good. But he has to prove it in March Madness. He hadn't had that March Madness success to go along with the, the – the regular season success. So is this the year he gets it? That's a storyline I'm going to watch today and throughout the tournament. Virginia's good. Virginia's not deep. And I think that that injury is 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 going to be really tough on them. Uh, they're playing University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Uh, again, my shout-out to ULL fans. Here's yet another school that's not afraid to uh, use where they're from as, as, as part of their uh, <laughs> name. So uh, that's the University of Maryland of Baltimore County. They come in at 24 and 10, uh, Virginia 31 and 2. But again, Virginia and Clemson out of the ACC, both of them had significant injuries there toward the end of the season that I think could dictate how far they go in the tournament. I agree. Uh, I think that's why Clemson is, uh, you know, I think they're going to have a real fight on their hands with New Mexico State. But uh, I'm going to, I'm, Normally, I was I was really high on Virginia early in the season, and again, pretty gaudy, thirty-one and two, but uh, significant injury late. Uh, I don't think it'll affect them in this game, but uh, we'll see how far the Cavaliers can go. Yeah. By the way, before we take our last break, I want to bring up. <clears throat> you know, we talked a lot about Will Wade and Bob Marlin and everything that went down with that. Well, yesterday, uh, Will Wade went on the Baton Rouge uh, radio station show and said. <laughs> said, the only thing I wish, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the actual quote in front of me, only thing I wish is I wish I had another timeout to call in reference in the timeout he called with 12 seconds left that got Bob Marlin and uh, ULL pretty upset. Yeah, and he also said to the effect of, uh, you know, I think uh, Bob Marlin referred to the PMAC as a gym. He said, uh, we have an arena, not a gym. And uh, he just wanted, uh, since we don't play very often, he wanted ULL to enjoy the experience a little bit longer. I don't think, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think ULL and LSU are going to be playing in basketball anytime soon. No, and I, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was funny because, you know, Wade's comments after the game, it could have been, you know, in, in the moment, the heat of the moment. But the fact that he said it the next morning that he was still continuing to, to dunk on Bob Marlin and ULL, so to speak, I thought it was really funny. and just goes to show you that this man does not care who he offends. So 
uh, wanted, to, wanted to bring that up. But we're up against the break, Puff. We'll come back with our parting shots. We'll revisit some headlines and look ahead to the weekend and what will be a very, very interesting weekend in college baseball. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Here are our parting shots. Look here. Look here, Blondie. God, I hate to hear that. I hate to hear that. And you and Nick up there at your little punch and juice show, y'all kind of made fun of it and went on to the next subject. I don't know why we can't understand that. And y'all treat me like garbage, man. Well, I don't really care to answer the critics. Y- y'all trumped up all over me. Wrong. That is absolutely wrong. I'm a crowd pleaser. That's what I do. I try to play to my crowd. And I don't really care about that. It's the end of the conversation. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Phil to mention this yesterday um, and today, quite frankly, Seahawks signed Marquevious Mingo to a two-year, $6.8 million deal. So congrats to Mingo, former West Monroe alum. And by the way, there's a picture of him signing the contract. He's actually wearing a West Monroe shirt. thought that was pretty cool. Oh, good for the, good for Barkevious. I'm glad, I'm glad he uh, – did they say how much the contract's worth and so forth? $6.8 million deal uh, worth two years. Okay. Hopefully fully guaranteed. We like that word, <laughs> we fully would, guaranteed. We do we? like that word, yes. Yes. What you got for parting shot? Yeah, my parting shot, of course, obviously, uh, uh, Jake centers around the uh, the loss yesterday of uh, Saints owner Tom Benson. And, you know, there's been so many things said and written about him already. But uh, uh, a lot of people think in, in terms only of, of football and, and, and the Pelicans, which are indeed, you know, epic as far as the, the legacy that he leaves there. But – uh, a lot of people forget about how generous Mr. Benson was. And, of course, all sins are forgiven, you know, when he thought he was headed out the door to San, San Antonio. Sure. But but a lot of people don't realize that he opened his heart and his wallet uh, as far as a philanthropist uh, in the city of New Orleans for numerous local and, and uh, national causes. Uh, $11 million, believe it or not, donation to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Uh, $10 million to the St. Aloysius Century Foundation. And... Uh, he put up $5 million to spur the funding of a $20 million cancer treatment center at Oshner's Medical Center, uh, ironically where he passed away yesterday mm-hmm. at the age of 90 at Oshner's. Uh, I think Drew Brees sums this up best for all of us uh, as we you know, say goodbye to Mr. Benson, that he says, uh, I will forever be indebted to Mr. Tom Benson for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to be a member of the Saints organization as well as the New Orleans community. I will miss his presence, leadership, and grandfather, grandfatherly advice. We know you will continue to watch over us all with that umbrella in your hand. Um, God rest the soul of Mr. Tom Benson. Mm, that's good stuff. Yeah, we're all um, forever grateful for what he did for New Orleans and Louisiana professional sports. Uh, can't say that enough. My parting shot is just kind of looking ahead to this weekend and looking ahead at the college baseball matchups. You got Grambling and Southern hooking up again mm-hmm. in a three-game series. Looking forward to that. Uh, Southern got the best of Grambling earlier this year in an eight to seven extra inning victory. Um, so I, you know payback is there for Grambling. Southern has actually lost nine of thirteen since then. So I look for Grambling to to get a, get a few back this weekend. Uh, you look at probably the, the most anticipated one for me is, is Tech versus Rice, just because Rice carries that name value. We all know what Rice is about in college baseball. But Rice is struggling a bit. They're 9-10 and 10 this year, and they're 2-5 and five in a way contest. And so 
them coming to Ruston and playing Louisiana Tech, I think it's a great opportunity for Louisiana Tech to, to ride that hot streak of, the, of its pitching staff and get a few wins against, against a very, very good Rice team. And uh, ULM squaring off with South Alabama. South Alabama's favorite in this one. South Alabama has, has faced some really good competition this year um, and, and has a couple of wins against ranked teams and has actually taken two away from ULL. So they are, you know, they're 9-8 and eight against one of the toughest schedules in the country. I, I think you can compare their schedule to anybody's and people, you know, I think, I think theirs is, is a little bit more dangerous. So they have a great lineup. Um, you know, like I said, it gave LSU's bullpen fits after A.J. Labus did so well and exited in the sixth inning in LSU's Wednesday. So look for, you know, you'll have to have to score a lot of runs uh, this weekend to, to maybe steal one or two away from South Alabama. And last but not least, LSU and Missouri. Missouri's very good. They're 14-3. and three. Uh, they, they can score a lot of runs. And with LSU's pitching staff, you know, improving over the last couple of weeks here's your first real test because let's if you look at it you know lsu's pitching staff yes they improved but how how good was the competition they faced recently so i think that's you know that's going to be tested this weekend when they face a very very salty missouri team yeah i think if you're uh, if you're tech it's all about who's on the bump uh it's going to be all about pitch i'm sure matt miller will probably take the ball yes. in one of those games if you're ULM, I think your goal is to at least take one um, against a very battle-tested South Alabama team. And if you're LSU, uh, again, this isn't your uh, your old Missouri team of the past. They're coming in with a, a pretty good record. And uh, we'll, again, see how LSU's pitching holds out. So, uh, again, a lot of uh, conference baseball opening up this weekend. Hope the weather holds. And, uh, Jake, it's been a been a real fun ride this morning. Appreciate it. It has been a real fun ride. And I got one more st- thing that I, I felt to mention earlier i saw tiger woods sink a 71 foot putt yesterday i'm not the biggest golf guy are you are you a big golf golf guy uh semi i, I love the masters of course and, okay you know, but only people like terry waltrip can can go watch it i have to watch it on television <laughs> he gets to see it in person but uh i did see that 71 foot putt and it was uh it was incredible it was incredible and i i admit that i am a very very casual uh golf fan like i i I will tune in for a big moment or for a big event, but seeing that Tiger Woods, I believe I saw this yesterday, that he is one of the betting favorites in the Masters, it's got me excited, and it's got me thinking that this Masters could be one of the biggest events of the year. I know people argue that it always is, but I think in years past without Tiger, it's it's lacked a little star power. I mean, sure, you've got Lefty, you've got Bubba Watson and all these other guys, but for, for the casual person, if Tiger's actually in the running for a Masters jacket, then I, I'm, I'm going to tune in. And I think most sports fans will. So I, I think it's going to be one of the biggest events of the year. Well, you know, it, almost the redemption of Tiger Woods, huh? Yes. You've got, you got you Jordan Spieth. You've got to see how it ends. you got to yeah. see the climax. And now you've got a, you know, a, a really big name to add to the equation, in addition to Bubba Watson, Jordan Spieth, Roy yes. McIlroy. Uh, again, you add that into the equation, and boy, what a what a Masters it could be this year if all those are close uh, at the top of the leaderboard headed into Sunday. Absolutely. Well, Puff, I appreciate you stepping in and filling in for Aaron Dietrich. He will be back Monday. I actually won't. I'm going to go to these uh, Pelicans Celtics game Sunday. Won't be getting back till early Monday morning, so I figured I'd take that morning off. But uh, 
Dietrich will be back yelling at you Monday morning. And Puff, you stay in the studio with Terry Waldrop, going to yell at you. Yeah, Terry and I are up uh, here at the edge here uh, at the top of the hour. And I uh, hope everybody will stay tuned if they can because uh, we got a lot to talk about, uh, basketball and so forth. And I can tell you there's no one uh, that I enjoy talking uh, and knows more about college basketball than my good friend Terry Waldrop. So I'm looking forward to that. And we'll get into some other mischief as we always do. As you always do. Appreciate all the feedback today. Uh, tune in to The Edge coming at you next. We'll yell at you bright and early Monday morning. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.